Welcome to Hope on the Rise. My name is Peter Englert. I'm one of the co-hosts of the show. We are brought to you today by the Lumavaz Network, um, but also BobRodin.com, who is my wonderful other co-host um, and the leader of this podcast. Bob, uh, we don't need to go much because Mark Lehman is a great friend. He worked with you in the district office. And, um, you know, sometimes we should just call this podcast Friends of Bob Roden. So... I don't know. I'll let you take it from there. Uh, hey, thanks, Peter. It's always great to be with you and to see you again. The uh, our, our history goes back a ways, and we've reconnected recently. It's just just awesome. And Mark, welcome to the uh, podcast today. Uh, you know, um, I was thinking this morning. It's uh, it was uh, probably thirty years or so ago when I first met you, and yes. um, you were in Ohio at the time. And I just want to thank you for the years of friendship and all the ways that we have connected uh, through these years. And uh, when I thought about people for the podcast, you're one of the first persons that came to mind. And uh, so it's great to have you here today. Uh, why, don't, why don't we just uh, begin, Mark, by you describing um, a little bit about you being in Ohio and you're 33 years old, I guess, or so, and you're kind of thinking about next steps. And uh, talk about how we got connected. Uh, first of all, thanks for the high honor. And Peter, you said it right. If you had a podcast with friends of Dr. Roden, you'd have a podcast every day forever because there's so many of his friends that he's reached out to. And I've been one of them. And I'm honored by that very, very much. So uh, my, my journey with Dr. Roden has been a really a great joy for me. It's one of the high honors of my life to call him a friend. But I was 33 years old. I just come through a really uh, difficult, one of the most difficult seasons of my life. And at that time, uh, pastoring in Ohio, living in Ohio, and uh, God in his grace supernaturally connected us uh, together. Mm. It was one of those things that I had never heard of Dr. Roden before. He had never heard of me before. And uh, I, I, it was just something that God had ordained. And during that time, uh, we were looking at transitioning, and uh, I'd never been on the East Coast before, I'd never lived on the East Coast. But uh, Dr. Roden was such a kind champion for me. And I want to use that word, really a champion of hope for me. I know this is called hope on the rise, but I can't even begin to describe to you, you know, how God at certain times brings people into your life that would really, if they weren't there, it would alter your course of life. But because they were there, it changed the course of your life and like thousands of other people's life. And that's really what Dr. Roden has done for me. So when he was speaking in my life and at a really critical time, he gave me hope that even though I'd gone through this brutal, really difficult season, that God was going to redeem it. And I, and he has, and uh, really, but had Dr. Roden at that moment, I'm telling you, it was like borderline even to stay in ministry at that time. And he really did a phenomenal job in saying, Mark, this is God's heart. This is his plan for you. And again, he didn't know me. Now, over the years, we've become very, very close friends. He's like a spiritual father to me. But had he not taken that step of faith and really a step of encouragement, you know, that I think sometimes Barnabas is an overlooked figure in scripture that people just need to be encouraged. And Dr. Roden has encouraged me so many times to say, but especially that first time back, you know, 1993, that's 30 years ago, been at Cornerstone now, 30 years. And uh, had he not done that, had he not said that, I would not have become the God, what God has made maybe it'd be, but also that tens of thousands of people that have been impacted around the world 
would not have been impacted. So I always tell Dr. Rowe, every person that we touch, he has a hand in. Every person that we minister to around the world, you know, a hundred different countries we're in right now is because of him saying, take a step of faith and saying, I will be a champion of hope for you. And uh, I'm so grateful, Dr. Roden. Oh, Mark, I am, I'm grateful for our friendship. And, you know, it's finding the right fit for pastor and church is key. A person that we talk about the four C's, the calling, character, the, 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 the competency, and the chemistry. And, and you were just the right person for the Bowie Church at a, at a time uh, when they, they needed leadership as well. And you took a great step of faith, Mark, moved your family here, and uh, and the rest is history. I mean, you've been here 30 years now. I was just at your 30th year celebration. What, what a celebration it was to have people like Greg Greg and Sandy Mundus there, and uh, you know Randy Hurst was there. Uh, his, Mark's connect, connection to missions is a, uh, is pretty incredible, but Mark, I want you. I want you to talk about your your journey at Bowie. You took this church. I don't remember what was it. Maybe hundred people. I I don't remember exactly what it. Hundred people, and I mean today it's it's a church of you know what couple of thousand or so. But at any rate, the uh, but Mark has taken this church on a journey, and and missions has been a, very much of a key and generosity and giving. So would you just talk to us, Mark, about how how this began to get into your heart and then yeah. you communicated to the congregation? And I remember things like you took money out of a building fund one time to give give yeah. to missions whenever their church needed it. God bless that. But it, just talk to us about how about your journey at Bowie and how God led you. I, th- I think pastors will really catch hold of this, that as you as you give away, that God blesses what you give away. Yeah, I always think about to whom much is given, much is required. And I think even yes. things, Dr. Roden, your grace that you extended me uh, required me to take steps of faith, not just to come to Bowie, but then throughout the time. The church was small. The church had gone through a little, diff- a lot of difficulty over the last few years. And uh, because of that, they were very introverted. They were very focused on existing. And I remember one time we came to a, a board meeting. I was just there six months, maybe. And all they wanted to do is talk about the money we didn't have and all the things we couldn't pay and all the things we couldn't do. And I said, hey, guys, from now on, we're not going to do that. We're not going to talk about the things we couldn't do. We're going to start talking about the things we can do. And the church was really small, was hurting. Uh, but God in his grace used that as a catalyst to change everything. So then inward focus changed to outward focus. Instead of existing, it's about impacting. And so we always talk about the fact I've never had a desire to be a mega church pastor. We have thousands of people call this church home now, but but we I've never had that desire, but I want to have a, a major mega impact around the world and in our nation. And when that happened, all of a sudden the people started looking outwardly instead of inwardly, not just to exist, but really to thrive on what God had them to do. So you talked about a few things and through the marker points of God's grace, as a church began to grow, became super diverse. We have, I think, 80 nations now in our church that are represented on a Sunday morning, which is really cool. So it's a very super diverse place. I'm a minority in my own church, which I love. It's just fantastic. But uh, because of that, God had given us like different moments. And actually, Dr. Rowan, you're part of this too. You may not remember this, but uh, we were we fast every f- f- three weeks of the first week, three weeks of January. 
And you were there one time, years and years ago, after I'd been there for a few years, and we were trying to build this, this building that we're in now. It built a few other buildings, but a major building, like eight and a half million dollars, that was the, the project going to be. And we had like $100,000 we had put away in uh, just as, as money came in, not designated, but just money came in. We had $100,000 for eight and a half million dollar project. And you were preaching on a Sunday morning. We had to come on a Sunday morning in January. And I'll never forget. And I was listening to your message, but I was also talking to God. And uh, I felt like I said, God, what are we going to do? Our, our church was packed at that time. It was in a smaller facility, you know, multiple services. And I said, God, what are we going to do? And you're speaking, Dr. Rode, and I'm, I'm talking to God and saying, God, what are we going to do? He said, he said, give away $100,000. And uh, I said, we don't have $100,000. I'm going back and forth as you're speaking. And he said, yes, you do. And uh, I said, well, no, we don't. This, that, oh, we have $100,000 for an $8.5 million project. And he said, give it away. So I, I talked to the elders of our church at that time. And I said to the elders, hey, here's what I'm feeling God saying to me. So I made this deal with God. I said, God, if the elders sign off on it 100%, all the deacons sign off on it. And if there's a huge response, a positive response for the uh, from the church and membership meeting coming up in a month, uh, we'll say yes. So the elders said, it makes no sense. It must be God. Let's do it. And then the, the deacons all signed off on it. We voted in March, uh, and the vote was like super strong. I think one person voted against it is all. And uh, right after that, we gave the money away, 10 different missionaries, $10,000. And uh, the next week, a person came up to me and handed me a check for $100,000. It was the wow. largest check at that time. And now we look forward years. We've never taken since that time. We were building the building. We had offerings. We've never taken a building fund offering. And that building is nearly paid off now, which is great. But on top of that, it just showed people. Here's like a tribal story of God's faithfulness that really came honestly, Dr. Roden, because hope is really huge, a huge part of your life. It's sort of a theme verse for you, a theme phrase for you. But I think people have to hope, have hope that their lives are mattering more than just existing on a Sunday morning. And so we keep challenging, we keep pushing the envelope. You know, we, we do a lot, a lot of stuff around the world now, but that what that does is motivate people here locally because people mm. everywhere want to be something that ma- to be part of something that matters and they want to be altruistic and and touch the world and so really what that does is focus people's attention for what's not right with us to what God is doing elsewhere nationally and internationally too as well and, and that's why our church is growing internationally because they see us touching so many lives around the world yeah. Mark I want to uh, and you know just uh, just oh. mm, well yeah go ahead Peter oh, I no, like no. your questions oh yeah <laughs> Hey, we love technology as we're working through it. Mark, I, I want to come back to Ohio, not necessarily for specifics. And um, for our listeners, um, mm-hmm. you know, that don't know you, you, you've just gotten through a battle with cancer. And, um, you know, just you have a very pastoral presence. And um, I just, you know, listened to David Kinneman, who's from Barna, talk with Kerry Newhoff that his concerns about pastors um, quitting ministry. It's not a five alarm fire, but it's a three alarm fire. And here's someone that experienced something traumatic in Ohio. You've just gotten through cancer. And I don't think our listeners, if they don't know you, they would have felt that. In our world that people are more burned out, um, there's more pastors that probably want to quit than stay. We have a cancel culture. 
how with your story are you navigating that with hope yeah i i go back to my mentor who always says my life has exceeded my dreams and uh, i think that's dr roden's uh, of one of his phrases and i think what you know i th- i go back to that phrase a moment ago peter you know when god's done great things in your life and all of us have whatever pastors here whatever leaders here if we look down to it we can't compare ourselves to anyone else but we compare ourselves to the grace of god which is amazing so if he did nothing else for me or he did nothing else for any other pastor he's done so much however some pastors and some leaders are in the midst of like i was in ohio or even cancer this past year and then what do you do and i think that's when all the things we've talked about all the things we preach i always tell people is it real or not and if it's in my own life real too, it has to like change how I operate. So even like last year when the cancer diagnosis came in March, you know, you think, what are you going to do? What, what else are you going to do? I always think about the disciple says, Jesus, who should we go to? You have the words of eternal life. And I think that people at that time have to have to press in and say, God, I can't do this without your grace. There's no way. And I think it is a fire alarm fire, Peter. I think more pastors than, than Barney even knows are struggling and being really considering leaving because of a lot of different things. But I I would just say almost like we did with our church, it's time now to start looking outwardly, not just inwardly. It's easy to say, here's what I'm going through. Poor me. People don't get me. The church is not responding. But Jesus loves you so much. And uh, there's a great great scripture verse that's one of my life verses, uh, Psalm 57.2. It's written from David when he is in a cave running from Saul. And I think many pastors realize and feel that way sometimes that they're in a cave running from something, maybe running from the fear of the future, all those kind of things. But he says in this English standard version, he says, I cried out to God most high, to God who fulfills his purpose for me. Mm. And there was a time I prayed that prayer every day for years. I would just pray that verse, Lord. I don't see it. I don't know it, but you're going to fulfill your purpose for me. So even with this cancer situation here recently, there was, it's a pretty aggressive cancer, and, but God's been so good. So I came through the chemo, never got sick, came through major surgery, and uh, now I do an immunotherapy. But God in his grace, now there's no detectable cancer, which is great. But I almost had to get to the point, Peter, is saying, okay, God, even if you don't, even if things don't go well, I'm going to say, God, I cry out to God most high, to God who fulfills his purpose for me. And I want to say to pastors, because I love pastors, and I, I understand pastoring smaller churches and other churches as well, larger churches, but really what it is, we don't compare, we just trust God. We just put our focus on him. But I would say to pastors, cry out to God and say, God, whatever my purpose is, I may not even see it now, but I ask you to fulfill it. You know, just observing you, Mark, I was there, uh, you know, last year when you were in, in battling the, the, the cancer deal. And and one of the things that you did that was so strategic, the Sunday I was there, you, you obviously didn't preach and you didn't do anything, but you came out of the platform, yeah. let the people see you, and then you talked with them for a little bit, and then you prayed with them. It was It was just a pastoral touch. And you also said, I believe you did a podcast weekly to keep them yeah. up to date on where you were. So mm-hmm. your your ability to connect with people on an ongoing basis uh, is just really, really brilliant. It's brilliant what you did. 
And then uh, I want to go back and have you talk about something else as well that, that you've done on a regular basis. How, how did you keep the missions focus in mm-hmm. front of the congregation all the time? I mean, you know, it's one thing to give a hundred thousand dollars, but, yeah. but you have, you, that's, that's what we call episodic, but, yeah. but you have also on a regular basis kept this vision in front of the congregation. How did you do that? I would say this, and again, you did this well at West End, and others are doing it too. I'm not, I'm not the only person doing this. But I think uh, that the business of the church is his mission. And our church exists to touch people's lives here and uh, locally. I'm actually, right now, I'm in Oklahoma at our, at our campus that we have here in Oklahoma. And that's a whole other story we'll talk about sometime. Just a need that was arise, we jumped in and helped us 1,300 miles away, but we're, we're involved here. But I think what for us, it became not just something we did once a year. It's who we are. It's who we are constantly. And so we would say to people, hey, God is more than able to do this. And we push it. And so people, hopefully when they come to our church, they feel the presence of God. They see the diversity of the church. And the third thing that they see is the outreach of the church locally, you know, tens of thousands of people being reached uh, locally, and then a lot more people than that globally. But I think what many pastors miss is people do want to move forward and touch people. And sometimes pastors are afraid, if I do this, then they, the offerings will go down. If I do this, then we're going to lose. Can I say this to you? Who's ever listening? When you do it God's way, you always win and you always make it forward here. So, you know, it was $100,000. And now the last few years, it's been quite a bit more than that in the sense of saying, mm-hmm. take a step of faith and the church has allowed me, uh, and leadership has allowed me to say, okay, whatever you want to believe for a pastor, let's do. And so we, you know, a few years ago, uh, you know, Ivan, Pastor Ivan from Calcutta, Dr. Roden. And so you may have known this story, but uh, we were in an in a airport together and he's been a friend for a long time. And I saw him discouraged and down. And uh, I said to him, I said, what's wrong, my friend? He said, and he's always upbeat. Uh, Ivan is pastor, of course, of an incredible man of God now heads up World Vision International. He's on the chairman, the chairman of the board there. But he said, uh, "Well, the main donor for our our uh, kids feeding program has withdrawn." And without even, I'm in, a, I'm in a Springfield Airport, and without even asking how much it was, I said, "We'll take care of it." He said, "Are you sure?" I said, "Well, let me know if you can't find anyone else, and we'll take care of it." So he went to a really huge mega mega church that if I named you guys would know, not AG. And they said, we can't help you. So I, I called him a month later and I said, how much is it? He said, it's $15,000 a month. And I said, how many kids you feed? He said, 3,000 kids a day. So I came to our church. This is six, seven years ago now. I came to our church and said, guys, here's the need. You know, God will use us or he'll find someone else to use us. But what are we going to do? And our church responded in a phenomenal way. And so now every year, uh, we have taken care of that for the last seven years. Uh, just because, you know, it's almost like, what God says, here he is, let's do it. Henry Blackaby, whatever God's doing, get involved with it. And so now thousands of kids, all Hindu, by the way, who now come to faith in Jesus Christ because of the feeding program and because of what God's grace is, it's pretty amazing. So I yeah. think, you know, you talked about taking a step of faith here, come here. You took a step of faith on me, Dr. Roden. But I think if you're not taking a step of faith every on a regular basis with your church, they're going to learn not to have faith. It's almost, hmm. you know, people talk about hyper faith, but I think we almost teach people not to trust God. 
And, and I just feel like uh, somehow pastors, especially now, 2024, with all the stress that Peter mentioned and stuff that I don't even know you're going through, guys. I just feel like to take a step of faith. I do think every pastor should have a heart for, for the world and for the local world. But I don't think the mission is me and the mission is not my church. The mission is him and his purpose for our lives. And so I just yeah. would challenge some pastors to take a step of faith. And maybe it's not a $15,000 a month. Maybe it's, you know, a thousand dollars, maybe it's $500. But I think if you don't take a step, your people will never know God's faithful. And mm -hmm. it is so much one of the a tribal stories we always use is the, the widow's oil. And as long as we keep pouring out, God keeps providing. So we've given away more money in the last three years we ever have. And God gives us more and more money to give away. So I don't know how he does it. We don't have any multimillionaires in our church, nothing like that. But people respond to faith. And people mm -hmm. respond when the need is very clear to say, we're not about us, we're about other people. So now we started pick, uh now we feed another 2,000 kids every day in Cambodia as well. So we, we just keep picking up more and more people. And uh, But I always think it's one more vessel, one more vessel we can pour into. And as long as we keep pouring, the oil will keep pouring. If we stop pouring, the oil will stop. You well, know, I, Dad, I'll go, I, go ahead, Bob. Wow. Yeah. I've, I've been in your church several times where I got at Bowie and, and Cornerstone. And what Mark is describing, you just, you catch that atmosphere. When you walk in and the, the atmosphere is there. I also like something else you do, Mark. You talk about the mission people or missionaries around the world are your extended staff. Yeah, yeah. You look at them as extended staff yeah. of, of the Cornerstone Church. What a great idea. So people feel like, mm -hmm. hey, we're just helping to support our staff around the world. And uh, yeah, that's we, uh, that makes a personal connection to people. Plus, you just have missionaries often uh, at the church. I'm uh, you're, the same you're way inspiring you people today. The same way you taught me Pardon? about the same way you taught me about reaching people, and I always say to you, every person we touch, you have it a part of that. Well, that's uh, why all those staff members, you know, in our sanctuary, you've been there, Doctor Rudd. We have all our missionaries, about three hundred some, some missionaries in the yes. sanctuary, and we'll say, "This is our staff in the back wall. We have one of the largest staffs in the world, and every person, <laughs> twenty-four hours, some days, every moment of the day, someone somewhere." Connected to us is proclaiming Jesus. Hmm. And uh, so that, I awesome. people, don't measure your church by the number of people on who come on Sunday. Measure your church by the number of people you're touching. That's a huge wow. difference for people because we always think numbers and money. And it's not that. It's really about impact. Hmm. For yeah. Jesus, not for me. <laughs> well, it we, takes uh, a, it just, but it takes a person with a heart uh, like yours, Mark, to do this. And I have... Uh, we're going to have to wind down here soon, I know. But uh, Peter, what's on your mind here as we uh, as we get ready to wind down? He took the words out of out of your mouth or out of my mouth. So, um, you know, I, I guess, um, you know, as we kind of work through the technology, we appreciate your patience, everybody. But um, just my kind of last question to kind of take us home. Um, you know, your son Matthew and I went to college together and, um, you know, we're millennials and there's Gen Zs. and um, you know, you just you just talk about money, and I think that there's some boomers and maybe builders that are like, you know, this you know this guy has no problem talking about generosity. Are do you think you've changed in the last thirty years in how you talk about money, or do you think there's a timeless principle that is 
even connecting with these generations that are skeptical of organized religion and church? What's your experience? No, good question. I think I have changed. I think when I was a young pastor, uh, I, I was afraid people were going to think I'm just after their money. So uh, here at our church, I never take an offering unless, unless it's for missions. And so other people think, I, I don't want people to think, I'm very aware that people are looking into us and say, either online or in person and say, oh, is this just another church who's just after us, after our dollars? And uh, so I'll be really, really bold. And I'll say, I said this recently, we were, we were doing a new project for, I think we were starting a, uh, a project rescue home in Africa. The first one ever, we were helping to put the foundation that was also like $100,000. And I said to them, I said, you guys, I stood up on Sunday morning. I said, guys, this is not your money. This is his money. You just be obedient to give his money back to him. And and people said, oh, my goodness, why could you say that? When I was a young pastor, I couldn't say that. I was like worried people might think. But now I'm saying what I'm doing is giving you an opportunity to fulfill God's purpose for you. Hmm. And I say to people over and over again, one day you will thank God you are part of a church that wanted to touch the world because all the people who you'll meet in heaven who were there that you didn't even know you were touching were there. So I think, Peter, I think pastors, especially younger pastors, have to get over that hump to say, I'm afraid of what they're going to think about me instead of saying, God, I have to fulfill this purpose. I have to fulfill this mission. And it's not easy. And I've talked about some really good things, but there's hard days too as well, of course. And I think that God in his grace and his mercy is just trying to say, all right, will you trust me? Whatever stage you're in, whatever pastor you're at, whatever age you're in, I've changed in the last 30 years completely, but I feel like, I feel like young, I'm almost like, I feel like uh, I'm not 80 years old yet, uh, but I feel like, Caleb, I'm more than able to do whatever God has. I feel like younger in many ways than, than I was before. People after this cancer stuff, they said, man, Pastor Mark, you look so much better than you used to look. I said, well, it's the chemo and God. You know, I always said that, you know, <laughs> I, I feel like... I feel like God in his grace wants to have pastors be trusting him and forget about the money, people, what they think about you and keep understanding it's about the life of one person who needs to be touched. And there's always one more and one more vessel. Yeah. Oh, we are, we're going to have to wind down here. We could, we could talk for hours. I mean, this is so exciting. I get, I just get fired up listening to you, Mark, uh, talk about reaching the world for Christ. And I've seen those missionary pictures on your, the wall of the, sanctuary and uh I, I know your i know your heart and, and you don't have to be around mark layman very long before you will feel his heart for reaching the world for christ and i uh i i know that's been communicated today and i this this podcast is going to make a difference not just for one person but for many pastors i believe who who may be struggling with uh you know not having enough money to do things and it's yeah. you know it's craig groeschel i think who says Whatever we keep is all we have. That's Whatever right. we give away, God multiplies. Absolutely. And so you know, you've captured that principle to learning to that learning to to give away, not just recklessly without any thought. It was, but it was anointed by God, mm. and that's what that's what made made the difference. And uh, I want to just again thank you, Mark, for sharing today. I uh, I just I love you like a son in the Lord, and I uh, I just uh, we've talked about that that and the. Uh, I just I get inspired every time I'm around you, and uh, I want to thank you again today, Peter, for your questions and just uh, being a part of this. Uh, our relationship goes back a ways, and I uh, my love for you, Peter, is I is just grows as I see you growing and developing in the Lord and all of the impact you're making on on your generation 
as we uh, as we go forward in the Lord. So, um, Mark, any final thing you'd like to say as we wind up here? And then I'll uh, ask Peter the I same, do. and I'll have a prayer, and then we'll close. I want to say a huge thank you to you, Dr. Roden, for your heart and for your passion that really has impacted my life. You've been my champion in many ways, and I'm just trying to, to be like you when I grow up. That's what I'm trying to do, you know. And uh, Peter, I just want to say thank you for your heart. And I think Dr. Roden said about touching other generations. This is not a generational thing. This is a, a kingdom thing. And I think God in his grace wants pastors just to trust him, not just with missions, but trust him. And that Psalm 57 too, I would encourage people to look at in the English Standard Version and say, God, that's my prayer. Fulfill your purpose for me. Uh, uh, love for Martin to close us in prayer and think about Psalm 65, verses 11 through 13. It begins with crown this year. May this year be crowned with all the good things of God. So Mark, lead us in prayer as we close today. I'll do it. God, I thank you so much for your grace, your grace that brings us to salvation, your grace that keeps us, your grace that leads us. I pray, God, for every person who will see this podcast, people who are hurting, people who are happy, whatever they might be in whatever spectrum. But I pray most of all, God, may your presence be their portion. May they find new strength in you. Even 2024, all that's happened before this, God, is for this year to impact people for Jesus. May that be the case. I pray for encouragement for men and women. I pray for families, Lord, God, to be restored. I pray for leaders to sense your presence, saying, God, this is the way. Walk in it. And may your Holy Spirit move in power over every life in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Amen and amen. Oh, wow.